You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. It's time to talk Sixers. Simmons off balance and an incredible bank shot is good. Here on the broadcast, the official podcast of Sixers.com. Embiid drives down the lane. He goes in and slams it. Oh, man, what a play by Embiid. Now, here's today's episode. What an awesome run during a breakout season it has been for the 76ers. Brian Seltzer, welcoming you back into another edition of the podcast. Good to be back and putting out a new episode after a mini hiatus, but that is what fresh fatherhood will do to you. So your patience during the last couple of weeks when the podcast episodes have not been quite as frequent, very much appreciated. So yes, the Sixers... As of the recording date of this podcast, just tearing things up. 12 consecutive wins, the longest winning streak active in the NBA, and what great timing it is that the Cleveland Cavaliers are coming to town in a battle for third place in the Eastern Conference standings heading into the final weekend of play in the regular season. To talk about where the Sixers are now, where the team and franchise has come from, we're going to sit down with assistant coach Billy Lang. He's been on Brett Brown's staff since day one. And that chat will come your way in just a matter of moments. If you have not listened to the podcast before or Perhaps more relevantly, if you have not yet subscribed to our feed, you can do so in a couple of ways. You can head to iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, or Stitcher or Google Play. Type in Sixers Podcast Network, and that should take you to where you need to go. Just thinking about everything going on with the Sixers right now, it is truly amazing to think of where the team was and what it's on the cusp of achieving, what it's already achieved, a playoff berth, 48 wins, its highest total since 2002-2003 at this late stage of the season. Tremendous amount of credit all the way around from the players to the coaching staff to the front office and to give us a little insight on what the buildup has been like for the 76ers over the last five years. We're going to welcome in 76ers assistant coach Billy Lang. And as we sit here now in the bowels of the center, Billy, court has been laid down 76ers have a huge game against the Cleveland Cavaliers later on 
on Friday night, April the 6th. This has got to be what it's all about. I know you guys as coaches, I'm not sure the players do. You take it one game at a time. But right. the next game up is a vital one for you guys. And Just thinking back over the last now almost five seasons for you to get to a point like this has got to be pretty fantastic. Well, it's, it is. Um, and it, you appreciate it having been what we've been through. Um, you know, building, I will tell you this, and I, this is not coach speak, and I'm not saying this to bring credence to the four years prior to this moment tonight to play Cleveland for third place in the East, but for coaches, for leaders, for people that like to build, for people that are passionate about what we do, there are many moments in those four years, some seen, some unseen, that we were just as passionate and excited about those days and those minutes and those moments as we are in anticipation for what is going to be an amazing atmosphere here tonight with Cleveland and LeBron, and I, and I mean that. So, but when you get to this point, now everyone else gets to see it. And now you feel that energy off of everyone else. But I think, and I, it's not even think, the humility that Brett approaches every day with. And part of it is because what we've been through. But remember, Brian, we all accepted what we were going through. No one signed up for this in 2013 without an idea of what it was going to be. We might not known the, have known the depths of it, but we understood what we were undertaking. But it's left a, a real sense of humility. And you get to this point, and you actually feel like you built it to come to this so we're excited about it and we'll we'll approach this day no differently than we did when we were just trying to win our 10th game two seasons ago we're going to want to win well that's the craziest part going to the game against Detroit on Wednesday you guys had a shot to become just I think was the fourth NBA team ever to win 10 straight games by 10 points or more and then you think yeah it was only two years ago that there were just 10 wins total on the season and uh, it's remarkable and I agree with you it's it's not just the coach speak that you were talking about, that, oh, we came in positive and excited to work every day. I mean, you guys, the enthusiasm uh, for those of us that were lucky enough to observe practices and sit in and watch, it was the truth. It was like the results didn't matter. Um, and when I think back on it, I, and I just kind of wonder, like, how does that happen? <laughs> how were right. you guys? Can you give a little bit more insight right. as to how you were actually able to let mind prevail over matter? Um you know, the, the word that is so popular right now in sports and in businesses and anything that involves a group of people is culture. And it's become like this mythological world, word, like how do you find it? Like is it, do you pull it out of a bottle? And it isn't. It's two things. It's one, people. You have to have people that represent the vision of what you want. And then two, you've got to bring, you've got to build in systems that like force you to function day to day, right? So if you have positive people, and then you're building in systems like our approach towards player development was a big one. The way that we make the guys learn about each other through some of the off-court things that we do. The way we meet and how collaborative our meetings are. I mean, these are things that we've – that some of it's grown as we've gotten here, as Brett has expanded his leadership knowledge and our staff has gotten more familiar with each other. But a lot of this stuff was day one. And we have positive people. And – doesn't mean we didn't have dark days. It doesn't mean there weren't some drives home and some flights where you're 30,000 feet above sea level just wondering if your existence is even worth it. But by and large, 99.9% of the time, this is a positive group of people, and it starts with Brett. And it seems like it's gotten across through all the years, the five years that you guys have been here, the players as well. Like they have had the mm-hmm. buy-in, and that can't be an easy task either. I mean, no. you guys um, have a couple more years on players yeah. and people of that vintage, so there may be some perspective where you can see not only things in the short term but the long term. But i got to think for some guys, you know, this is maybe their only shot 
Right. Or maybe it's a chance to, if there's the availability of minutes, to do more, show themselves right. more. Yet through it all, there's been a steady line of buy-in through just about everyone that's come through here. Again, th- when you have positive people and you you have a vision and that vision has a, a daily commitment towards it, one of the things that makes the vision become a reality is relationships. And people oftentimes we don't give credit enough to players. They're very smart. And and a lot of these guys, man, I mean, they have been coddled, enabled, conned, whatever word you want to throw that's negative, from the time that they people knew they were going to be good to the time they get to the NBA. And they can sense when someone really cares about who they are and whether or not it's about you as a coach or about them as a person. And we have made it about them. So when we were losing, it would have been easy for Brett and the staff to look inward and think about how we looked. Instead, we'd put our energies into helping these guys because truth be told, they might not have had some of these situations had we not been going through our process right now. I don't know if I need to trademark Joe on that process. <laughs> there, but um, we just developed them, and we developed them as people, and, and Todd Wright and Jesse Wright in the sports science world and all the coaches on the court and Brett coming at them with the analytics and the data to just show incremental improvements. It just built in energy it doesn't make it any easier and it didn't make what we did any better sometimes what it did is it made it manageable and it gave a focus and a purpose to each day while we were going through some of those dark times outside of things on the court what were some other stuff that you guys built into the cultural aspect that kept things fresh that kept players mind and maybe not just players but the entire staff the basketball operation kept everyone engaged and their minds into it through some of the tougher times but yeah I would answer that in two ways I think um let's just talk about the staff part first because I think that's the easiest part it's not about us one we do what we do because we love it and we do what we do because we're passionate about it one of the things that I, I feel I, I was either fortunate or unfortunate depending on how you looked at it is I had been through some rebuilding things when I was the head coach at the Naval Academy. And then when I went with Jay to Villanova in 2001 and a little bit when I went back in 13. And those situations, there was always light at the end of the tunnel and we always reached, you know, we got better at Navy. We had a 19-win season in our fifth year. Nova is what they are. You know, you ended up getting Kyle Lowry and Randy Ford. Like, you know it turns. So faith is the evidence of things unseen, but I was fortunate enough to see those things. So for me personally, that was easy to come in to do that. I think what Brett did for the staff is he he made an environment of curiosity. So we were always looking for ways to get better, whether it was watching a close game that, you know, Miami had against Minnesota and like what would we have done in that situation? We were getting ahead of the storm before the storms even came and and you just come in fired up because you love the game. With the players, you know, besides the on-court things, which you were privileged to, um, you know, it's again, it's relationships, man. It's it's a it's a brotherhood. We we did team dinners, you know, and I'm sure other NBA teams do it, but we, maybe we did it a little bit more. Um, the way we did our film sessions, you know, the collaboration, making a, co- a player be the coach of the day and lead the film session as opposed to just sitting there and, and listening to us all the time. The team breakfasts that we do, where players have to present a topic in front of their teammates. You know, we've had. People do things such as like our UFOs real and should college athletes be paid and some of the, you know, social injustice events that have happened through our time. And, remember and who it, did UFOs? Um, it was Nick Stauskas <laughs> and it was awesome. Um, it was really, really good. So, you know, you have to build those things in. And, and let me tell you something. We're doing the same things even right now as we're on the cusp of 50 wins and it just gives you a level of humility. It's bigger than just basketball. And who's to say that those things that we're doing 
back then have not led to these 50 wins because we keep doing them, and you just keep seeing the joy these guys have. Just to kind of crystallize and bring it all together, then it sounds like the intent was always to get to this point and this day that we're at right now where the franchise is, even if the results might not have been there to indicate uh, at what point of the journey you guys were along. Well, I would say where we're at right now is definitely still not where we want to be, okay? And that's number one. Two, no one came here to do anything ordinary. No one. And you got, you, you know, I tell my kids all the time, don't settle for what you already know you can do. You know, you, you can't have excellence and ordinary existing in the same vision, in the same sentence all the time. My kids are probably tired of hearing that, but <laughs> it's, it's really what we brought. And you got to remember that our head coach came from the pinnacle. You know, he came from not only a championship winning um, organization where the world, the external world, sees what they're doing, but all the things that happen behind the scenes that are internal, the culture building, he knows it, and he has not relented for one day, and we're blessed to have him as our leader. When we look at the last three weeks of what's been going on with the Sixers, give me some insight. I mean, how did this all come together at such an important stage of the season where here you guys are going in the Cavs game, having won 12 straight? Um fortunate scheduling we can't we can't ignore that um but you guys have been real I mean, with all due respect to the yeah. other teams i mean these have been pretty sub- convincing wins they i mean been. you guys have really have seized been. control and left little doubt about them we all right so I'll, if you ask me to put them in like you know give me specific things i'd say we've in our opinion we've had a fortunate schedule and some of that fortunate schedule has been able to play here at home and playing here at home is awesome i got it's funny when like brett will come in or Someone else will come in and say that was a playoff atmosphere. You know, my wife and I's first date were the playoffs here in 2001. I think it was our second and third date to him, a real big spender. <laughs> and I tell him it's not even close. Like when you see what these fans are like, when there is nothing else going on basketball-wise, it's going to be insane. Tonight could reflect that to a degree. Um, so the fans have been great. We've had a favorable schedule in terms of the opponents a little bit. Um you know, our, the coaches really just, you know, whether it's Lloyd Pierce or Jim O'Brien or Brett Brown or myself, like, we have to get better. And, I, and I'm sure the players would like you to take your foot off the pedal for a little bit, but then when you don't take it off, they want it. They want even more. So we have found the little areas. We call it like zoom focus. We, we zoom in on a particular area, and we're going to beat it up until we see an improvement. We've got such an amazing analytic crew behind us that they can show us like, you know, how much better we've gotten from here to there and where that would rank in the NBA if, had we done it over a 30-game sample size. And we just keep going at them with fresh things. You have to, in 82 games, keep things fresh for an NBA player, and I think that's what we're doing. In one of the areas, um, Brian, that we're proud about, I think we had nine straight games of 30-plus assists. You did, yes, and 10 out of the last 11. 10 out of the last 11. I would love it to be 11 straight. And, um, you know, the game that we didn't, we had 28. So, you know, these guys are finding the joy of playing with each other. That's unheard of at this point. The ball is zipping around and moving, so these guys are coming with great energy every day. It's funny because if you hear, and I'm sure you guys don't listen to it, some of the external outside noise and people are like, well, what is the, you know, the coaching staff done in this situation it's like well it's essentially delivered upon everything that you guys set out to do from day one in august of 2013 it's the pace it's building it through a defensive lens uh it's sharing the ball and passing it's developing players embracing the three-point line all that stuff and right now it's almost as if like the hard work the system has now caught up to talent being brought in and it's like these guys with how hard they're playing it's like and i'm kind of like a little bit of a superhero nerd like i watch the batman movies and all that but it's like you know when uh a superhero is like 
discovering his powers or her powers right. for the first time. And it's like that's what it almost seems like has happened with this team. And it's like they don't want the games to stop coming. It doesn't matter if you've got a home game against Brooklyn and a road game the next day against Detroit. It's like it's almost like you feel that energy of wanting more games to come to continue to try and improve. Well, you, you hit on a lot of great things there. You know, one – it's a talent league, right? This is a – we joke all the time. It's a player's league. It is. You better accept that as a coach. You can X and O all you want. The other coaches are really good, okay? Everyone in this league that coaches a basketball game or is on a staff is the best of the best of the best, bottom line. So your system's going to look a lot better when you're throwing out more talented players. Now, we, we have some very talented guys and guys that really are young and are going to be better and better and better as time goes on. And then we've got some homegrown guys that we've developed that some people wouldn't um, may, might not have wanted you know, a few years ago. So when you take the talent and then you have the familiarity of some guys within this defensive system and the offensive system and coaches' concepts of pace and pass, these type of things can happen. You can get to this point. And you are right. They're so, they enjoy it. So we, we believe that we have an enjoyable basketball system, and now they just want to keep playing and playing and playing and almost test themselves every night when they go out there. It really was interesting. Back in September, I think it was his very first media availability going into the first practice of training camp. Brett came out and said, our goal is to make the playoffs. And that, right. based on previous years, is something that you did not hear um, to that tone. Is that something that you guys spoke about internally in the weeks leading up to that first practice? I mean, how does it staff make the judgment call that this is the time now where we right. have a team that's capable of shouldering that type of comment? As a leader, goal setting is a real slippery slope because if you set something like we all have the desires right but if they're unrealistic it's delusional okay so we we talked a lot about it and I think the the most important thing that we wanted to is we wanted a paradigm shift which meant some of these mistakes although we didn't like them in the previous four years we were able to be more tolerant okay coaches have to have some tolerance because it's not perfect we wanted to make a statement. It's going to be less tolerant, right? We're going to be less tolerant of these mistakes right now. We wanted to tell, we wanted to say, we believe that if we're going to go out and make the commitment we made to JJ Reddick, th- this is not for a circus. This is for like we've got something real we want to do. We want to put pressure on Joel and, and his preparation and tell Ben that we're going to hold you to a higher standard. And you know, Brett's Type A. We're all Type A. You know, Coach O'Brien's no nonsense. Um, Lloyd, you've seen him coach the defense. You know my background, Brian. Like, we're, we're type A. So it wasn't really hard. It was just how we delivered it, right? Because it would have been foolish for us to deliver it thinking that we were going to reach that that early. Think about it. We jumped out decent at the beginning, and then we went on a real skid there um, in December, I believe it was. But if we would have said we're going to be the third seed and gain home court advantage, like, at some point it might not have looked attainable. But we just kept showing them visuals like we're in ninth we're in eighth we're in seventh we're two games out of six and now it's attainable so now they want to learn more it's been masterful by brett you are responsible in part for working with the sixers offense and there has definitely been an infusion of talent there but man that part of the team's game has taken such a great leap over the course of this season Brett said he wanted it to be, I think, and maybe it changed at some point this year, a top 15 offensive rating team, and right. you guys are 13 right. heading into the final week of the season. You had to salivate yourself seeing some of the talent that was coming in. How did you go about with the rest of the assistants and Brett figuring out what would make the best type of formula and fit for the personnel that you have? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And, and, you know, we have so many, it, like you said, it's all the assistants. I mean, it's my main responsibility, but I would be foolish to think that it's just me. We, we've got a great development staff. 
Um, you know, Kevin Young has done a terrific job. He was our G League head coach for a few years. And, and you get the wisdom of Jim O'Brien and everything he's seen. So a lot of people have dug into it. And really, a lot some uh, what goes on behind the scenes with our analytics crew, it's like NASA in our building. Can you give me an example without spilling they, any trade secrets? I won't spill trade secrets because I, I do like my job. Um, <laughs> what they're able to come with and just say, hey, are you paying attention to this? Or um, you ask them something that you have a hunch of and they're able to back it up or – dispel it right and, and 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 the collaboration going back and forth it's not like we're always giving in either we're asking like the most skilled analysts are the ones that are going to dig just one more step deeper than the other analysts and our guys dig I mean they really really dig that curiosity starts with our head coach and Brett but it's really our staff so you know we we have broken our offense into like segments Brian we've got our half court make offense we've got the first seven seconds of the shot clock we've got the last 17 seconds of the shot clock our analysts have been on us about offensive rebounding, which is really like a no-no in the NBA because people don't think it's that important. But the amount of three-point shots that's being taken, that's one. The fact that Joel is going to be one of our leading shot takers, in theory, that takes an offensive rebounder off the glass unless he's following up his own two-footer. So how we taught our fours, how we use Ben Simmons at our one, I mean, these guys have been great for us. So I think our offensive evolution has, one, been talent. Um, that is the main one, and then just a steady improvement in the areas where we felt like we could gain wins over a five to ten game clump. And I think since like Christmas, we've been like top five offense in the NBA. So if we settle in at thirteen, that tells you how low we were prior to Christmas time. But we're very proud of of our um, of our development there. And to to I know I got off the subject here. Sorry, but I think we have a home. We have a system. And when you add a guy like J.J. Redick or you bring in a guy like Ben Simmons or then you watch Joel's development, you have to figure out, like, what additions do you need to put on that house to make it work? We, we can't squeeze them all in the one room. It's, it's not that way in the NBA. It's just not. Like, you, we believe we have a system, but we have to change that system if, if it's better for the players. And we've done subtle tweaks while keeping our house. I'm trying to remember the exact phrase that Brett used when talking about the Spurs back when you guys faced them and just how they've been able to go about doing things over the years. And it might have been something like the system prevails. And even in these last couple games with Joel out and Dario out, keeps on rolling. That's I mean, right. you plug in guys like Ersan Ilyasova, yep. like Marco Bellinelli, great additions midway through the season yep. that it seems like have helped take you guys to an even higher level. Yeah, BC and his crew, uh, that's Brian Colangelo and his crew, deserve a lot of credit for bringing those two guys in because we were doing okay, you know, and then you, you all of a sudden you bring in a couple pieces like you think it's going to take you one way. It could take you the opposite way, but they did their homework and they got the right guys. The system in which we play, one, it's predicated on – the notion of passing. So no matter what we're running, we want our guys to pass and move the ball. We, we have stats that say any time we hit a sweet spot, Brian, between three and five passes, our shooting percentage jumps up like it's huge how much it jumps from zero to one to two passes. Then three to five, you're shooting amongst the best percentages in the NBA. So when you plug, and I hate using plug because it makes like these sound, these guys robotics, when you add the unique talent of Ursan or Marco, and then you subtract Joe, which none of us want to do, or Adario for a portion of time, You can the system will prevail if they have skill sets of passing and shooting and movement, which these guys have. And then Ben, I mean, the guy is just on another level. I mean, you can't even call Can you call him a guy? This young man, this kid is just on a different 
level right now, and he loves to pass, and he gets joy in seeing his teammates score, and that makes a world of difference for us when we lose two guys like Joe and Dario. When did you know that he might be able to have the type of impact that he has ended up having this season, talking about Ben? You know, I mean, he did some things early that you were just like, this is incredible, but I I would just say prior to All-Star break, um, I just thought he was starting to trend to another area, and he's comfortable in who he is as a basketball player. I mean, everyone's going to tell him he's got to shoot, and he will get better. He's going to get better, fans. I mean, each year he'll add something new. If he never shot a three-point shot in his entire career, this guy can dominate because he's so unique as a passer and gifted physically and unselfish. And the other thing is just smart. Like, he's really smart. So I think headed towards All-Star break, we kind of saw it. And then to me, he's just come back on a whole different level since we've done that. Something that Brett was talking about, that uh, without Joel towards the end of March, Ben has done a little bit more talking in huddles, the leadership part of his package has grown a bit. How do you guys, is that something that you um, as coaches take hands-on roles in trying to nurture over the course of a season? How do you try and teach leadership qualities? Well, well, great leaders are a lot of things, um, and one of those things is definitely authentic. Okay, So you can't force someone to be someone that they are not. I don't know if... You know, he can lead like a guy like Kyle Lowry or a guy like Avery Johnson where it's like outward and it's like you see it and you want it and it's like, you know, Kevin Garnett. Like it's inspiring, it's motivating, you could feel it, right? Maybe Ben will get there. Um, I think the communication that we have daily with our players, whether it's an individual meeting or group meetings, you know, stuff like team dinners and team breakfasts. Like when you make people talk, they they develop a comfortability um, not only with their teammates but also in their own voice, which is really big for some of these young players. And, and you'll I think, do, like, quizzes with these guys Oh, all the time. Right? Post, um, Post-shoot-arounds, we'll give these guys quizzes. I'm sure they hate it. But, hey, if you've only <laughs> gone to college for one year, right. you should be able to take quizzes at least for four. So <laughs> you, Ben has just developed a confidence in his voice, and he uses it. And our players respect him because he's so unselfish. If he wasn't unselfish as a basketball player, I don't know how much they would. I mean, I'm sure they would respect his talent. But his unselfishness and the fact that he's going to go out there and back it up by getting guys shots and the fact that he really allows us to dig in and coach him gives him some credence as a leader. It's been fun to watch. I don't even think he's tapped the surface of what he'll be eventually. He may be businesslike and even-keeled and smooth, but that is, going back to your point of being someone being true to themselves, I mean, that is no doubt about it what he is. I mean, you can tell that uh, that's just his nature, his demeanor, and it, it definitely seems to have – Served him well. The guy acts like he has been here, like done this ten times before going through an NBA season. It's amazing. Um, Something that you were talking about earlier and dancing around a bit, but I did want to, uh, after you mentioned it, go back and revisit. Um, I feel like maybe something that perhaps fans out there aren't totally aware of is that after Brett was hired in August of 2013, it was really like a mad dash to assemble a coaching staff. And for as much chemistry and camaraderie as we see from players in the court, the core of this coaching staff has really been intact for the last five years. What was it like for you guys getting together that first initial time, not having much familiarity with anyone at all, and then developing this coaching staff right I mean Brett um, is a great communicator so and we met a lot Brett's family was not with him when he first moved so when I say a lot you got to bold capitalize and underline that with five exclamation points we met a ton and 
you know, developing a staff is, you know, I just can tell you from my own experience of having to hire a staff when I was a head coach, like it's as hard as putting a team together. You got to, you know, someone told me one time, you got to hire slowly, fire quickly. And it takes time, man. You know, guys, we're men. We come in here with responsibilities outside of just coaching, whether it's families or moving or, you know, wives, you know, just real life stuff. And it just takes time and it takes trust. That first staff was great. You know, Vance Wahlberg, we, we learned a ton from Vance Wahlberg. Um, Chad Iskey. And he was offense. He did. He, he helped with development and he did some offense. He was just, he was awesome. And Chad Iskey brought an energy and a fire on the defensive end and, and it matched Brett's. Um, and, you know, and now Lloyd and I have been here the whole time for five years and, you know, our relationship is strong enough now because we've been with each other and we've seen each other work. And, you know, what, challenge is not the right word because it would seem like we were all fighting, but it just, it takes time. And then you go through losing, right? So, it's already hard to get to know people, and then you put them in a situation where you're losing. And when people are losing, they just try to survive individually. Like, what's this mean for me, right? It's just human nature. And if I want to give us credit in one way, um, I'm, again, we've all had the dark moments. There's no doubt. I'm going to speak for myself, but I'll, I'll assume that everyone had them. Um, we've stuck together by just communicating and showing up every day. In addition to being a bench coach, you've also worn the hat of director of player development right. for the Sixers. So what formed your views on the essentials for developing individual players and by the same token using the individual paths to form collective development? Well, that's great. I mean, um, it's a great question. In my heart, I believe that players play because they love it, right? And um, before they can think about you know setting the screen, they've dreamed of making the shot, right? So there's a joy in development. People want to get better. I've seen it in my own kids. I've seen it in my experiences with Kyle Lowry. I've seen it at the Naval Academy with Division Three players that became all-league guys or Jay and his focus at Villanova. Working for Herb McGee, how much time we spent on just player development and shooting. I've been really blessed that I've always believed this, but that I've been around people who have cultivated that same development environment. And when we first got here, it's all we had to hang our hats on, right, was taking young players and developing them either for our future or for someone else's future that would attach to our future, whether it was through trades or anything. And you just saw how guys feel when they get better. It's energizing. So, um, you know, I think, one, you have to recognize that a player's joy is attached a lot to how they feel about themselves. If you've got a joyful environment in any business, you can get a lot done, B. I mean, a lot done. And we got a lot done because we had a joyful environment because people were just sewing into these players to get better then it has to zoom into something more focused what does that player need and a player has an arc right being the fans can't see this or the listeners I hope people are listening but people can't see me drawing the arc just constantly changes so where they start here you got to focus on that but as this starts to move your focus on that player's development might be on a totally different skill set and I think we did a good job you know I look at a guy like Robert Covington or a guy like TJ, you know, some things we did with guys like Jeremy Grant or Hollis Thompson. I mean, really, you know, Richon Holmes. I mean, these players. And it's going to be the same for Ben and Joel. I mean, look at Joel right now. I mean, he got better as he was sitting out. So we, we created time. We created a system to do it. And we just really believe that this is what makes players love the game. And, that, you know, it was a great experience for me to do that. And now to watch Connor Johnson and Chris Babcock take that same model and move it forward even more has been really rewarding. Do you think there has ever been an assistant coach – or any coach at any level that has been videotaped more during pregame warm-ups than Billy Lang? Um, I do not know that. I, I, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm not um, 
you know, I learned this when I was at Navy. I do not get on blogs or websites or you stay away because you're for everything you're going to see that's good about you. You're going to see some things that are bad. So I'm not on it, but it has been mentioned to me recently <laughs> that uh, my attempts to look like I'm guarding Markel <laughs> um, have have made for some pretty fun internet fodder. And if people can get a laugh at that, uh, so be it. I'm happy to do it as long as my kids don't see it. That's great. Just based on how Coach Brown came out and announced that Markel would be rejoining the team prior to that Nuggets game. You could tell this is something that not just the players, the coaches, the entire organization really had something big invested in. Everyone seemed right. genuinely happy that he was able to get himself back to a point to get out there. And I mean, he's he's looked great since coming back. Well, he's a great player. That's why you know, our organization drafted him number one because we believed that in him, and we still believe it in him. And that belief never wavered. Um, again, it goes back to faith is the evidence of things unseen. We knew what we felt about him. You know, first and foremost, foremost with Markel, if you've spent any time with him, which I know you have, you're just blown away by his character, his humility, his appreciation for everything. And underneath that, he's got a lot of confidence in himself, too. So he's got to find balance. It was a great moment for everyone. Um, but more importantly, it, it, forget everybody else. It was a great moment for Markel. You know, like we just did our jobs. So. But for Markel, that journey of injury to now nursing yourself back to health to the, and the length of time it was to get to that point is great. And like you said, he's played pretty well. So we're, we're impressed with him, but we're not surprised. It's like, you know, uh, you asked who's listening to this podcast. Maybe you could also say the same for, like, who's staying up real late and watching some of those Utah Jazz Summer League games right. back in July. But you coached that team um we all saw then everything yeah. about markel and, and i think it's been great for fans to be reminded of the package and skill set that he has at this late stage of the season brian yes and and more encouraging than that and I, personally i didn't understand this until the last four or five months when we were working as closely as we were he's going to get a lot better i mean He's got in one way you're like man he's got a long way to go and in one way you're like wow this kid's got a lot left in him and he really really does but what you see immediately is how dynamic he is with the ball in a transition setting and in a half court setting particularly in the pick and roll and then the other thing that you know fans might not pick up on I mean to go into a game as a point guard and run an NBA offense when you haven't played in 70 games is like not easy and he seamlessly has gone in I was just watching our, our last game against Detroit this morning again, getting ready to make my edit for him, and watching him just physically, verbally, and like really aggressively point Ursan Ilyasova to the right spot. I'm like, okay, here we go. I mean, so his intelligence, and he embraces that part of the game of the organization of the point guard. We, we got a real gem on our hands. We look forward to seeing how he grows. You'll probably do a whole different podcast on the next subject, but um, to me at least, uh, it does not seem unrelated that you have someone like Joel Embiid, who sat out for a considerable period of time, came out, did what he did. Yes, does he have physical tools that other players don't have? Sure, but you know he came back and made an immediate impact. Ben Simmons, what he's doing this year after missing all of last season, Markel sits out for 68 games, comes back with some confidence. So based on what we've seen with those three players what do you make of that dynamic and how just being able to sit around, observe, soak some things in for a young player, how that could ultimately help them? We could write a book on this, <laughs> and you're right. It could, because no one wants to be in this situation, whether it is as a coach or a medical staff or a strength and conditioning staff or certainly the player. So you just learn a lot of things. I mean, one, these guys are all young. So every one of these guys we're getting at like a real early stages of their basketball developmental curve. And 
excuse me, taking that year or two in some cases and using it to develop physically, like your strength, your your, your body, um, you know, composition, how you move. I mean, Todd and it, these guys are amazing. Our strength and conditioning staff is really first class. I mean, these are really really good guys. It's embarrassing to think that I tried to get my guys lifting weights when I was at the United States Merchant Marine Academy. <laughs> I was doing basically like a beach workout. But it, that helps these young players. I mean, like Ben Simmons, I don't know if he's doing what he's doing if it wasn't for that year of body development. You see it with Joel. They get right. They learn how to eat. So that's one. Two, you realize like the the players, it's really debilitating to their minds. Forget their bodies. Like to just be out of something they love to do. This is how these guys identify themselves. Whether it's right or wrong, it's the truth, right? And we just invested time, man. It just goes back to the very first question you asked me, just people. And if you care about people and you care about relationships and you care about communicating, these players sense it because they know you have a job to do, okay? And they're seeing you go out of your way, out of your daily schedule to invest in a guy that, like, some we never know will play again. Some we don't know, is it going to take a year or six months? And we're just digging into them. And you do it, and, and they benefit from that year. It's like a redshirt program. We don't do it on purpose, despite common belief amongst many competitors. But when it's happened, we've tackled it, and we've gotten a little bit better. And we had it with Nerlens in year right. one. So we've had it with Nerlens. We had it with Joe for two. We've had it with Ben. And we've had it a little bit um, with Markel. So with each one of those situations, we've gotten a little bit better and a little bit smarter because of it. And it is crazy because, you you know, everyone thought that Ben Simmons coming out of LSU going into the first summer league that he played was a physical specimen. But if you just see some of the still pictures taken during that time yes. from then to where he is now, it's like a completely it's not even close. different beast. Uh, a couple more quick things. How do you guys balance the here and now of trying to attain two legitimate and reachable goals in the regular season, getting to 50 wins uh, based upon what players have talked about? That sounds like it's something Brett has talked a lot about, the home court advantage. Yep. Uh, but then also trying to get ready for the playoffs because, again, this is something else that, for me, I didn't understand until I started in this position. There really is, once you get to March, virtually no practice time no. in the NBA schedule. Zero. And that's like no shoot-arounds, because no, you got to get guys recovered on – days when they're not no games so how do you balance the here and now versus what's to come in about 10 days yeah I mean one I would say a lot of these goals that we're setting out right now of a 50 wins or home court truth be told they've been player driven I mean JJ Reddick's voice in that locker room has been no we're getting 50 no we're getting home court you know at the beginning of the year we just wanted to make it right and then I'm sure within that was like well if we fell one game out of eighth not that we would be satisfied with that but it would still be a lot of growth based on where we were last year I mean, how many games did we win last year? 27? 28. So we're already 20 past that. I mean, that's a big jump. So a lot of the goal stuff has been player-driven and supported by Brad. And we've created an atmosphere of not settling. I think I mentioned that a little bit earlier in this podcast. Then for the coaches, again, it comes back to Zoom focus. Like, if we don't think something is going to win in the most difficult situation, we're going to address it. Like, hey, we were a little sloppy on that two-for-one there. We've got to be better. Here's the clips. And – you become, you know, I've told a lot of my coaching friends, you know, high school coaching friends that I have and um, college coaching friends that I have, and this is going to sound really weird, but I really believe this. Coaching in the NBA, personally for me, has reminded me more of my days as a high school kid coach and a Division three head coach because it's just teaching. You have to be a good teacher. The better you get as a teacher – your players, your students become better learners, right? So the, the 
art of video, it's more than just putting it up there and showing highlights, like how you freeze frame something, how you sequence something, how you slow-mo something, how you use the laser, the feedback you have to get from the players, the eye contact you make with them, the, the repetitive themes but in a different variety so they don't get bored. These guys learn how to learn. And because we can't get on the court right now as much as we would like to, the, the video teaching is just – it's paramount. I, I can't – it's like go, literally going to class every day. So they might have left LSU and Kansas and Washington early, but I'm sure they've had more classroom sessions than they ever have. And that's really the balance right now is like keeping the goals in mind, keeping the bodies fresh, and then make sure that you are teaching and then subsequently learning at a very, very high level. You referenced that as far as big-time long-term goals for this team. I think we all have an understanding of what that ultimately is. But yes. uh, as someone who has lived and breathed this area your entire life, did you ever think that we'd be in an era where uh, four times now in the last ten years, and I guess it's three times in the last two years, there have been parades yeah. in Center City, Philadelphia? And I mean, I know that you obviously have a, uh, a tie to a team that's won two championships. <laughs> I, You know, Philly gets a bad rap, right? If you just – here's one thing. If you want to give Philadelphia – a moniker. It's passion. They, 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 people are passionate here. They're passionate about everything. We're passionate about our food. We're passionate about our families. We're passionate about the South Jersey beaches. We're passionate about our Philadelphia sports teams. We're passionate. Sometimes that's going to look pretty good, and sometimes that's going to look pretty bad. But there's no fight. There's no give up. I mean, it's all fight. There's no quit. give up. There's no quit. And there's loyalty. And when you see these teams winning like this and you see the passion from these fans – I believe it helps the players compete at a high level. I think they sense it and feel it. I mean, look, we're at all their venues in the NBA. I mean, there are some amazing venues in this league. This right here, this is off the hook right here. It is. And then you throw in the euphoria that the Eagles have provided, and then the way Villanova has gone out and represented the city of Philadelphia and really just been the best team in college basketball for the last four or five years. This is a great time to be from Philadelphia, but it's always been great to be from Philadelphia. Well put from a passionate man himself, Billy Lang. Always very much appreciated. Thanks so much. I respect the fact that you were able to ask this many questions without falling asleep, given <laughs> the fact that you and your wife just had a twin boy and a, twi- a twins boy and girl. So thanks for the time today, Brian. So we'll do the uh, podcast on uh, young players getting uh, at least one year off uh, next, and then maybe after that we can do tips about twin parents. <laughs> you got it, Brian. Yeah, I'm not uh, quite sure uh, what part of the demographic uh, the basketball and twin parenting podcast would hit, but who knows, maybe at some point after the completion of what hopefully will be a successful postseason run for the 76ers, that's uh, territory that we can venture into. Billy Lang, awesome as always. Much thanks to him. Much thanks to you for checking out the podcast. We're going to have some more stuff coming your way between now and whenever this thing wraps up. But uh, definitely next week, um, we'll be back at you as we wrap up the regular season and look ahead to round number one of the playoffs. Have a great weekend. See you.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Come.